Good morning and happy Christmas. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 1. Um, yes, I'm going to talk a bit about Mary this morning, as Al said, um, as we're in this series. Um, as we're in this series, so will I. Gareth spoke last time about the shepherds, which was brilliant. Um, and Matt's going to be speaking about the three wise men on Christmas, which will be great. And I'm going to talk a bit about Mary um, as I've been uh, thinking about this and, and preparing, I was thinking about Advent. And um, when I was younger, I, I grew up going to a Lutheran school, um, and we had chapel every single week. And I remember um, when Advent would come, we would light another candle every single week. And not only for me was Christmas coming, but my birthday was coming, because my birthday is on Christmas. And so... <laughs> Every week we would light another candle, and I, I dreaded it. I dreaded Advent, because every week I would sit there, and I would go, oh, I just want it to be Christmas already. And another candle would get lit, and every week I'd be like, three more weeks, two more weeks. I, I didn't like it at all. And it was this period of waiting. And now that I'm older, I go, oh, it's actually really appropriate, because the people of Israel were waiting for God, weren't they? And they were waiting a lot longer than a month. They had been waiting hundreds of years for this. And now it was here, and it was a big deal, right? Um, so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1. Um, this is the Annunciation of Christ. So the, uh, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and tells her that she will be the mother of the Son of God. Um, again, this is a huge moment for Mary, but it's a huge moment for Israel as well. Um, and then I want to take a bit of time looking at the Magnificat, because the Magnificat is um, a part of the Christmas story that I think we forget about. Um, and it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Mary was a teenager. She, I think, scholars say 13 to 15, somewhere around there. Um, but Mary knew the Bible. If you look at the Magnificat, there are parallels to the Old Testament going through the whole thing. Um, so Mary was a teenager who knew the Bible. If you parents need encouragement, it can happen. Um, your teenagers can love the Bible. Um, so we're going to look at the, at the Magnificat as well. Um, also, while we're talking about Mary, I want to take just some time looking into the fact, too, that I think sometimes we can think of Mary as being maybe a bit of a passive Bible person, but she really wasn't. Mary was active in the story of Jesus. She's active in the life of Jesus. Um, the angel Gabriel comes to her and tells her what will happen to her, and maybe you think when she says, be it unto me as you have said, that it's just, that's it, but it's not. We see Mary throughout um, Jesus' story. She's there at his first miracle all the way until the crucifixion. She's at the foot of the cross watching her son um, be killed. Um, and she was continually yielded to God. So we're going to look at that. And um, we're going to look uh, at the whole of Luke 1, uh, verse 36, uh, sorry, verse 26, all the way to 55. Um, and we'll start in verse 26. We're going to look at three things that Mary does when she hears the word of the Lord. So this is a story of the Annunciation of Christ, right? But it's also a story, if you put it really simply, it's a story of God giving his word to one of his children and them responding to it. So there's a lot that we can learn as people because God is still speaking to us today, right? All right, so we're going to start in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at this and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So as we said, this is an absolutely monumental moment for the history of Israel and for the, for the Hebrew people. In this verse, um, in verse 27, it says, To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So the people of Israel knew that the Messiah who was coming was going to be a descendant of David. It was foretold. So they were waiting for this moment. So when Gabriel says, this is a descendant of David, this is huge, they're going, this could be it. And Mary is the one to receive this word. Um, I really like how in um, verse 34... Mary questions the angel. It's one of the first things she does. So the angel tells her what will happen. And Mary says, how can this be, for I'm a virgin? Um, I just think this is important to look at. Mary had a questioning faith. It's not that she didn't believe what the angel had said, but she wasn't afraid to ask questions of the word of God that had come to her. So the Lord is giving her this huge word. It's a huge call on her life. This isn't something that's going to be simple or easy. Um, it means that her and Joseph will face public shame and humiliation because they weren't married yet. They were only engaged. And people who saw her pregnant would um, think awful things about them. She knew that. She knew that her husband, that Joseph, might actually try and leave her because of this. And, and she asks, how could this possibly be? Because she knew that she was a virgin. I think that it's important for us to see this from Mary and say that when God comes to me with a word, it's actually okay for me to have a questioning faith. And even that, she was a teenager who had a questioning faith. A lot of the youth right now, just being someone who's serving in the youth, um, they have lots of questions about what's going on. They have lots of questions about why they're following the thing that they're following. Why should I believe this about the Lord that I'm being told by my parents or by church or by other people? And I think that it's important for us to make space for that. It's important that we could have a questioning faith, yeah? Um, so that's the very first thing she does. But the thing that we're going to look at, um, the, thing, the first really important thing that she does is that she yields to the word of the Lord in her life. So this is what she says. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So as I've just said, this, first of all, this was not an easy call on Mary's life. If the angel had come to me and said this, I do not think that I could proudly say that. I would say, be it unto me as you have said. I don't think I would say that. I think I would say, this is really not a good plan. This is really, really going to mess up things for me. Um, I'm really excited to get married, and now you're ruining this. Um, <laughs> all of these things that I would say. But the reason that this is compelling, the reason that this is powerful for Mary is because she was willing to say yes to the, Lord of the, word in, uh, the word of the Lord in her life, even though it wasn't really going to work out for her. Like, even though this, this plan of God's, that she would become pregnant while only engaged, 
it wasn't really a good plan. Like, for me, that would not feel like that was a good plan for her life, for my life. And she said yes to it anyway. You know, it, for me, if I'm following the way of Jesus in my life, and I've given my life to that, and I say, yes, this is something I'm going to follow, it may not always work for me. If I believe that the way of Jesus, let's say, is the way of nonviolence, and I, and I read the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, love your enemies, and I go, okay, if I'm going to love my enemies, I probably can't use violence against them if they try and attack me, or something like that. And let's say I believe that, and that that's the way of Jesus. If someone comes to attack me, and I say, well, I'm, the, the way of Jesus is the way of nonviolence. I'm not going to, to defend myself in violence against someone else. That situation is probably not going to work out too well for me. <laughs> I probably have found myself in, in, a, in a bad situation. But I'm not following the way of Jesus because it works. I'm following it because he's asked me to. I'm following his way because I'm his servant. Here Mary says, I am your servant. Be it unto me as you have said. And this is really powerful for Mary because she's not just agreeing to birth Jesus. She's agreeing to being his mom for the rest of her life. This is a whole life commitment that Mary's making. I was talking to my mom uh, about a month ago um, about giving birth. Not for the reason that you're thinking, not for any reason like that. I was just talking woman to woman about giving birth. And, um, and I made the comment that anyone would make. And I said, oh, that sounds absolutely awful. I, uh, it sounds terrible. And she said to me, she said, oh, Noel, the difficult part isn't giving birth, it's raising them. Um, and I was thinking about that as I was thinking about Mary. Mary had to give birth in this incredibly difficult situation that she was in. But we see her with this posture and attitude to the Lord. I am the Lord's servant. Be it unto me, as you have said, throughout her life. Can you imagine um, her noticing, as, as being Jesus' mom, that the tension of his ministry is rising, that he's creating more and more enemies, that people are starting to dislike him more and more. And she's his mom, and she's seeing this, and she's stuck into it. She's there for his first miracle. She's the one who prompts it. And even at the foot of the cross, she's sitting there saying, watching her son be crucified, there must have been that in her heart still. I am the Lord's servant. This is the call on my life. I am the mother of God. Be it unto me as you have said, I'm still here. That's powerful. That's compelling that she would stay in something like that because it was the word of God on her life. Yeah? So, yeah, so if Mary, who had this call on her life, can do this, even when it was difficult, even when she would face public shame and humiliation and it wouldn't really work for her, then so will I today, right? We're going to keep going um, to verse 39. So this is the second thing that Mary does when she hears um, the message from the angel. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped within her, in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. I just want to take a bit of a side note and talk about Elizabeth for a second, because she's also 
amazing in this passage. The first thing that I think Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. Another translation I was reading says, you are the most blessed among women, she says to Mary. Now think about what Elizabeth, what's just happened to Elizabeth is that her son, John the Baptist, she's now pregnant with John the Baptist, but John the Baptist's birth merited an angelic annunciation as well. So the angel Gabriel also came to Zechariah, who was Elizabeth's husband, and announced that John the Baptist would be born. Have you ever had, like, I, for me, sometimes I, when I was younger, hopefully not as much, but I could be very ambitious in the Lord, and I wanted the Lord to be the one that spoke to me and, and um, that I would be really close to the Lord, right? And sometimes there can be maybe a bit of competition in that. Um, and so have you ever had, like, you have something amazing happen with the Lord, and you're like, ah, oh, the Lord spoke to me in a dream, and you're really excited about it, and you share it with someone, and they say, well, maybe not, but, you know, they say something that totally tops what you just told them, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, the Lord healed my arm in the night last night or something, and you're just like, oh, my goodness, you were really excited about your thing, right? But Elizabeth has just had this happen. She had an angel come and announce the birth of her son and think how proud she would be and how, how big a deal this would have been for her. And then Mary comes, but Elizabeth pays attention to the fact that she feels the Holy Spirit move in her and she's humble enough to say, this is something different. You are the most blessed of women. This is a big deal. This is the Messiah. It's bigger than, it's bigger than what's just happened to me. That's really powerful. It's really mature. Um, to be able to say, I don't need to be the greatest or the best. The Lord doesn't need to use me more than he uses you. The Lord doesn't need to work more powerfully in my life than he works in yours. I'm going to let this, I can tell that this is the biggest thing. Oh, that's compelling. Um, and then from that, she says right after that, I love this, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Another translation I was reading says, why should this great thing happen to me? That too, that attitude is, is compelling. Um, I think so often like in life we think the opposite way. We think, oh, why should this bad thing happen to me? Like, why did I have to miss my train? Like, why did I have to um, go through this terrible thing that happened? Whatever it is. Um, but Elizabeth is flipping it. And she's saying, why should this great thing happen to me? What did I deserve to do that, to, to have this happen? Imagine if we were going through life with that attitude. Like, I missed my train, and it's raining, and I got all wet before I got to work, but why should I have this great job? Like, why should I get to live in this country where I'm free to love Jesus and to, and to work? And I want this to be the posture of my heart, right? This is such a good posture to have. Um, that I'm sitting across the table from my husband having dinner, and I have the thought of like, ah, oh, this great thing. Why should I have this great thing happened to me that I have a husband who loves me and we get to have dinner together. If we could have this, this place of gratitude um, in our hearts and all things, this is just a really brilliant way to be, I think. I love it. I think Elizabeth is brilliant in this passage. Um, and then the last thing Elizabeth says, um, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Um, I was looking at the word blessed for work, I get to study the Bible, which is awesome. And I was, I was looking at the word blessed, and the word blessed in Hebrew, um, it has a bit of a different meaning than the English translation. In Hebrew, the word blessed means deep fulfillment. 
So when God blesses people, they're blessing them with a deep, rich, inner fulfillment. It's different than when we just kind of say, bless you. I think we just think like, oh, that's a nice thing I could say to someone. But the God of the universe is backing you up when you say, bless you. Like, that is a huge thing to say to someone, right? Because when God blessed people, it was a really, really big deal. And so Elizabeth is saying, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. When we have faith, when we believe in the word that the Lord has spoken to us, we are blessed. It is a blessing not just to receive the word, but to actually believe it. The thing that I want to point out about Mary in this, in this part is that Mary has just received a word from God that is impossible. She should not be able to have a child. Elizabeth received the same word from God that she would have a miraculous child. Um, she would miraculously have a child about six months or so, we know, before that. But uh, Mary can't see it yet, right? She's received the word, but from what we know, she does not know yet that it will come to pass. She's, she's said to the angel that she believes it. She'll trust God and she'll let it happen, but she doesn't know yet. And so what does she do? She goes to be with someone who has seen it come to pass. She goes to be with someone who received the same word from God, but has seen it come, who is pregnant. Elizabeth is six months down the line from her, right? When we receive a word from God that is difficult to believe, we need to get around people who have seen him to be faithful in it. Testimonies are so powerful. When I was, um, I was studying in California when I was at Bethel, um, I had a close family of mine get diagnosed with cancer. I was super upset about it. I didn't really know what to do. Um, but at Bethel, and in many environments, we could say in this environment too, people get healed um, miraculously by God. So I was in, in this environment where you're just hearing testimony after testimony after testimony all the time of people getting miraculously healed by God. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start recording every single time I hear of someone getting healed from cancer. And I'm going to meditate on those testimonies. And I'm going to, what, what was I doing? I was building my faith. I was reminding myself, God does this. God heals people today of this same thing that I'm contending for him to heal this in my family member. My family member still isn't healed. They still have cancer today, five years later. I'm still holding on to those testimonies. I'm still holding on to the faithfulness of God, and I'm still believing that it can happen, right? So if you're struggling, if you have a testimony and you're just thinking, man, I have this word from the Lord and I believe it, but I'm really, really struggling because it's been a long time, because I've been waiting, get around people who have seen it happen already. Um, go, go find testimonies of people who have seen the breakthrough. Surround yourself with them because we can build our faith, yeah? Good. And now the third thing that Mary does when she receives the word from the Lord is that she praises God. So this is the Magnificat. Um, the Magnificat is, the word Magnificat is Latin for magnify. So the first line of the, of the song is my soul magnifies the Lord. Um, if we look throughout the Bible, there are a lot of songs that women sing to the Lord in scripture. So this is not the first one. So you can look, Miriam sings a song, Deborah sings a song, um, Hannah sings a song, specifically in Second Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Um, Hannah sings a song to the Lord. 
for the same reason that Mary is singing a song to the Lord. So if you remember, Hannah could not have children. She was barren, um, and the Lord blessed her with a child, and she sings a song of praise to the Lord. Um, if you look at the Magnificat carefully, as we will read it in a second, um, you'll see there are a lot of parallels between Hannah's song and Mary's song. And you'll also see that Mary quotes, she doesn't quote, but she references Genesis chapter 12, which is God's promise to Abraham in the last verse. Um, so as I said before, Mary was a teenager who really knew the Bible and she used it in her song. So we're going to look at that now. And we're going to start reading from verse 46. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Just going to go through this um, a couple verses at a time, and we can look and see what Mary does. Um, so the first thing that she does in verses 46 and 47 and 48 is that she rejoices that she has the privilege of giving birth to the promised Messiah. And a really big thing about this song that we can see is that Mary realizes that she is the lowly servant of the Lord who has been blessed, but Israel is also the lowly servant of the Lord who have been blessed. So it's not just Mary who's magnifying and glorifying the Lord here, but she's doing it on behalf of all of Israel. She's saying, we've been waiting and we've been your lowly servant. And now, and now I, too, your lowly servant, am blessed. And so we can see that this isn't just about Mary, but actually God's blessing upon Mary, when she receives it and she worships him for it, it causes her to look outward at the people around her. God's word for me is not just about me. If we're presenting the gospel to people as it being just about my personal transformation, then we're missing a big part of it. I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. I am made whole. I am made new. I am yielded to his word. But we as a collective people are his children who are bringing heaven to earth, right? That is our commission. It cannot be just a word that is about me personally. And so here Mary, this isn't just her own song of praise, but she's saying you've blessed me, but you've blessed these people that you promised you would. You've done it. And this is her song of praise, right? So she does that, and then she goes on to glorify God in the next passages um, just for what he's done. After that, in verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. She's noticing that the Lord is about to transform the world, right? This is the, world, this is the Lord's new order for the world. The, the rich and the mighty will be brought low. 
and the humble will be honored and will be exalted. So this is the Lord's way, and he's going to establish it on the earth. And when she says he has performed mighty deeds, she's, also, she's looking forward to this in Jesus. She's looking forward to what is about to happen because the Messiah has come. Um, and she realizes that as the Lord's lowly servant, she's going to benefit from this new world, and Israel will as well. And so God is fulfilling his promises, right? And the last thing, he's helped his servant Israel, remember, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants, just as he promised our ancestors. She's remembering and she's praising God for the fact that he's been faithful all the way back to what he said to Abraham, which is, I will make your descendants a great nation. He's being faithful to that here, and she's praising him for it, right? So Mary recognizes in her pregnancy the coming restoration of Israel and that God is going to do what he said he would do. So this is it. This is the story of the Annunciation. This is how we see Mary um, powerfully responding to the word of God in her life. Um, and it's, it's inspiring because she's following God's way, which seems impossible, um, which... which wouldn't always be working for her right. She would have to face public shame and humiliation for doing it, but she says that she'll do it anyway. And if she can, so will I, right? That's what we want to do. Um, I want to just pray for you. Um, and before I do that, as we think about Advent, um, I talked at the beginning about Advent, but we are in the Advent season. Um, I was looking into the word Advent, um, and it's Latin again, second time saying something in Latin, but here we go. Um, ad is a preposition in Latin meaning to, and vent is a verb in Latin meaning to come. So advent means to come. And so when, we, when we're celebrating advent, we're celebrating the fact that the Lord came, right? He came to us as a human on the earth so that he could be with us, right? But we're also looking forward to his coming again. There's also this anticipation that he's coming again so that we can spend the rest of eternity in life with him. Um, so as we go into this Advent season, I just want to pray about that too. I want to pray about this just to bless the Lord, thanking him that he came to be with us, but also this anticipation that he's coming again um, and really stepping into that in Advent. Um, and then I also just want to pray for us that we would be a people who are willing to be yielded to the word of the Lord no matter what it looks like in our lives that we would be willing to say yes to what he's spoken over our life, no matter the difficulty, no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult it seems that it would be for us to carry it out or for him to help us carry it out, whatever it is, that we would be the ones who would say that we're yielded to it. Because that is the power of the blood of Jesus. It's not just that I become clean or that I become a better person. There are a lot of things that could make me just become a better person. But the power of the blood of Jesus is that I'm yielded to his way in everything that I do. Yeah? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much um, that you came, that you came to the earth, that you came in human form through a woman to be with us. We're so thankful. Um, we're so thankful for your way. We're so thankful that even if your way seemed difficult, that it was absolutely the right way, and that now we can follow in your way, God. So thank you for coming to the earth to be with us, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that you're coming again, that you're coming again, God, so that we can be with you in all eternity. Lord, I just ask for, for every person here, God, 
um, no matter where your heart is at, um, and no matter the difficulties that you're facing. Um, God, I just pray that you would bless each person here to be one who would be willing to be yielded to your word. Like as Al was saying after worship, that we would be ones that would say, we trust you. This seems impossible, God. I can't, I don't understand how I'm going to get through this. I don't understand how your word is going to come to pass in this situation. I don't understand how anything good could come out of this. But I'm willing to say yes to your way and I'm willing to be yielded to your way regardless. I will trust you in every situation. We thank you, God, for every family here. I just pray that in the Christmas season, God, that you would bless each family, God, that you would bless each person's heart to become more open to your presence, to your power in their life, and to be more yielded to your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.